Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, we'll be talking about financial literacy and Tim Ulbrich of Your Financial Pharmacist will be sharing about his mission to help pharmacists become a more financially well workforce. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So today on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, we are bringing back a special guest who really needs no introduction. Uh, Tim Albrick has been a um, past guest on the show. He has his own podcast uh, with your financial pharmacist and has just, you know, really been doing some amazing things in um, helping pharmacists achieve financial literacy uh, and, you know, really um, getting that financial well-being uh, part of their lives. So he has been a clinical professor of pharmacy and program director for the Master's in Health System uh, Pharmacy Administration at The Ohio State University. He graduated from Ohio Northern University with his doctor of pharmacy and completed his residency training in community ambulatory care at Ohio State. And after paying off more than $200,000 in non-mortgage debt, uh, Tim's, you know, been working to empower pharmacists and pharmacy students to take control of their financial future. And now he is full-time entrepreneur, which is really exciting, and that's what we want to catch up on. So Tim, thanks so much, and welcome back to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary. Glad to be here and uh, love, love the work that you're continuing to do to serve our profession. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, Tim, you know, we have just enjoyed following you and been doing this for quite some time, uh, first with a book and then, you know, a podcast and then of course, uh, some coaching. So tell us, you know, for anybody who maybe isn't familiar with your financial pharmacist, uh, give us a little intro or overview on that. Yeah, our mission is is pretty simple, which is to help pharmacists achieve financial freedom. And where, where the intersection of pharmacy and personal finance is, that's where we really want to be to leave an impact on the profession and to help pharmacists through their own journey. And I have a passion that we really need a, a financially well workforce. And, and I feel like YFP is, is hopefully facilitating that conversation to empower pharmacists along their journey. And, and we do that in a few different ways. We've got a lot of educational resources that we have on our website, yourfinancialpharmacist.com, which would be the podcast, blog, lots of guides, checklists, calculators, lots of resources that we have there for free. We work with a lot of colleges and organizations to do educational events on a national level and a state level. We've worked with a little over 70 organizations to date. So that's one, one main arm of the business. We also do one-on-one -on -one comprehensive financial planning. We've got five certified financial planners on our team that help lead that service. And then most recently we added tax planning preparation services uh, led by Paul Eichenberg, our director of tax that helps to make sure the tax plan and the financial plan are rowing in the same direction, which sounds obvious, but is often overlooked mm -hmm. and really an opportunity to make sure we've got a tax efficient plan that, that is supported by the financial plan at large. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So helpful. 
And, you know, you've been doing this for a number of years, not only for student pharmacists, um, you know, helping to at least get them on the right track, but for pharmacists who have been out there practicing for a number of years, you know, at all different areas, you know, mm-hmm. being able to relate to your financial planner, probably something that a lot of people really appreciate. And, you know, you've, you've been in their shoes, mm-hmm. you've, um, you know, had student debt, you've paid it off, you've been successful. Um, and so, you know, really great uh, inspiration and, and model there. So tell us a little bit about, you know, making the switch. You know, I feel like there have been a lot of pharmacists over the past, you know, specifically two years uh, with the pandemic who are just, you know, we've seen burnout for a while and um, pharmacists are Mm -hmm. just really at a breaking point. And so people are thinking like, what else can I do? And, you know, you have been doing YFP, your financial pharmacist for a while, and we're able to make that shift, you know, to full-time entrepreneur. Tell us a little bit about how you were able to to do that. And, you know, were there any surprises mm-hmm. that have come up along the way? Yeah. Well, let me throw the first surprise out there. I think um, for, for some that know me and have been following YFP, they probably know that uh, my wife, Jess, and I have four boys. Uh, and so my, my wife uh, stays at home, homeschools our, our four boys. And so healthcare costs of a family of six is real, uh, especially mm-hmm. when, when you're out on your own. Uh, and you're looking at healthcare benefits uh, as a business. And I think that's a, a really important piece, joking aside, that folks need to think about. And often I've heard from many that is a barrier of, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm thinking about going to work for for myself, but dot, 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 uh, you know, I'm leaving not only great W-2 income, I'm leaving retirement benefits, I'm leaving healthcare benefits, and now I've got to really generate, you know, the income and make sure I'm supporting those other goals and and other things that I need to prioritize as well. I'm glad, Hillary, though, you mentioned, you know, it's been a while. And one of the things I often talk with other pharmacists that are early on in their entrepreneurial phase, which I would I would say that we certainly still are as well. November 2015 is when I started blogging under the name Your Financial Pharmacist. But it's been now, you know, almost seven years in the making. And that that decision to work full time on the business wasn't a decision I made overnight, wasn't a decision that was made within a year or two years. It really was the better part of six years in the making. And I say that because I think patience is such an important aspect of, of building a business and making sure that you're able to make that decision with confidence and, and not potentially doing that prematurely or at a time where it's going to put other stressors in, into the mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started blogging in uh, November 2015. Shortly thereafter, Tim Church and I wrote the book, Seven Figure Pharmacist. You know, that led to some other speaking opportunities and collaborations with associations and organizations. Uh, Tim Baker, my partner now at YFP, uh, Certified Financial Planner, we then collaborated on the podcast. And then eventually we, we merged many of these efforts uh, to what is now YFP today. And that really took a time for, for that to grow and really for the vision to, to grow into what I think I, I knew it could be all along. And, and really where that started was this passion that after going through my own journey of paying off a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt and really feeling like this was harder than it needed to be. You know, one of the things that I, I felt often was I make a great income, but I make a great income, but I feel like I'm living paycheck to make paycheck. I make a great income, but I feel like I'm not progressing as quickly as I would like to with my financial goals. I make a great income, but I feel like I'm behind on retirement savings. And, and that was something I, I kept hearing over and over and over again from pharmacists. And there was really this gap of 
a community of pharmacists that were coming together to motivate and inspire and empower one another towards the achievement of their financial goals. And that really was the vision for YFP is to facilitate a movement, to facilitate a community of pharmacists to come together that wanted to share this mission and to be on this pathway towards financial wellness. And so, you know, there's been evolutions in, in, in the company in terms of, you know, products that we focus on and services and, and what we've been able to do in terms of the education and the collaborations, but that mission has remained centric. And, and I think it takes time to build momentum as the business was going. And so that led finally to June of 2021, I made the hard decision of walking away from a great position, a position that I really loved and a community at the Ohio State University leading a great master's program in health system pharmacy administration. And really what it came down to me, Hillary, was I looked at option A and option B. And, and really I was getting to this point of working two full-time jobs plus some and you know, four, four young kids and said, hey, I love both of these pathways. But if I were to fast forward five years and look back, if I had to choose one, would I have a regret? And you know, I was so and am still so much on fire about the mission of helping pharmacists achieve financial wellness as much as I love the work that I was doing at Ohio State and the, the mission of that work in, in training future pharmacy leaders and managers, I really felt like that it was that time to really move forward and, and, and put everything into the business and, and hopefully help it become what I, what I thought it could be. Yeah. Well, it's always exciting to, to take a little bit of a, a leap of faith, but you know, I think probably a lot of people went into pharmacy school because we are a little risk averse. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's exciting. Um, you know, another thing, I think that visual of the iceberg, you know, and it shows at the top and it's like success yes. and all the other things that are underneath the iceberg, like the hard work, you know, skipping, you know, no, not watching TV, extra degrees, this, and people don't always mm -hmm. see, or, you know, it took a couple of years. It's not like overnight success. Um, and so I think that a lot of people may forget that. And the compound effect of that, I, I think is so important. If, if listeners haven't read to Darren Hardy's book on the compound effect, I think that's a book that really stuck with me early in this journey of, you know, I think that overnight success, that, that one great idea, there's certainly examples of them out there, but most businesses that have been built and endure over many years, um, you know, really are the day after day, the week after week, the month after month. And, you know, we recently celebrated a million downloads of the podcast, which was a huge moment for us. Mm -hmm. And it was really an opportunity to stop and reflect and say, wow, like what an awesome accomplishment towards the vision. Mm -hmm. But let's not forget the years of, of time that has gone into the planning and getting feedback on, you know, what episodes are of interest, planning the episodes, editing the episodes, the, the, the team that's involved in doing that, the guests that have given time to be on the show mm -hmm. and just the amount of, of work that has gone in to get to that point. But you know, you don't do episode 250 if you don't start with episode number one. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, this through the, the, the great work you've done with your show, but it takes that first step and then really seeing that next step, the next step, the next step. And all of a sudden you look up, six months, you know, 12 months, one year, three years. And, and obviously you start to really, really see and feel that momentum. And that's why, you know, folks may be familiar with what Tony Robbins often say, says, which is we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in a decade. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's so true when, when you look at trying to build a business over three, five, seven, ten 10 years. And I'm hopeful I'll say the same thing in five more years that 
wow, re- really incredible to look back and, and what's been done. But there was a lot of hard work and intentional decisions that were made along the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. For achievers, it's so hard to reflect back on all of your accomplishments because you're always kind of thinking about <laughs> the next thing. But my, what you can do in five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, that's exciting. So, you know, you're not quite at the one year mark, but so far, how are you feeling? Definitely made the right decision. Any other, ch- you know, changes that um, you've, you know, seen since you've made the shift? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I feel great about the decision. We, we've got an incredible team um, at YFP that I think, you know, makes the work even that much more fulfilling and, and the group that's on fire about that mission. And that's probably been one of the biggest surprises maybe, but also one of the most exciting things is making that transition from, you know, content creator, especially early on to really seeing the opportunity to support myself with a team that collectively we've got a much better opportunity to achieve the vision than I ever would alone. But the role then moves towards really empowering and leading that team and obviously trying to de- delegate a lot more of that work and, and giving the opportunity for those folks to flourish and to grow and being less and less in the weeds and less and less in the content and the individual roles. And so that evolution, I think, for someone going from solopreneur to business owner is a really important one. I I love it because I love the puzzle of business and I love the different you know roles. What, what One hour of the day, you're wearing a, a marketing hat. The next, you're wearing an HR hat, right? You're wearing a finance hat. Uh, and you're trying to wear all these different hats and roles. And it's the best training ground, I think, for for so many different skills and, and opportunities. Um, but that, of course, can can lead to some stressful moments and seasons and some growing pains along the way. And, and I think that's been one of the most exciting things of this transition is really with having more time to intentionally focus in, in one area in terms of your financial pharmacist is to really see the opportunity where we could grow where we can improve, where we can go closer towards our vision and, and making sure we can empower and support the team in that direction. I think the second thing that comes to mind here is just the mindset. I think any entrepreneur would mm-hmm. say that, you know, when you're out on your own trying to build something, um, you, it really challenges your, your mindset. And I think the, the opportunities for where you can see yourself needing to grow, um, be, become really evident. And I grew up in an academic world, Hillary, where, not only am I a type A achiever, uh, as many pharmacists are, but I also grew up in a system where it was very affirming going through promotions, right? Assistant to associate to full professor, getting articles published, doing presentations, like all of those external affirmations, you know, were very much of the system and culture. And, you know, when you're beginning to grow and build a business, like that's a very different environment. And I think it focuses and challenges you to look a little bit more inward for, you know, some of that validation and direction without necessarily having some of those external stimuli and some of those external affirmations like you might in a traditional work, work type of environment or culture. Um, and, and that has been an area for me that has been really challenging, but also really exciting. Uh, I, I feel like I'm beginning to scratch the surface of like, what is possible? What, what are some of the limitations that have been holding me back? Why have I created some artificial ceilings in my own mind over time. Where does that come from? And what's possible as we get begin to work through those? And, you know, to be frank, I, I don't know if I pursue some of that pathway or really lean into that without going in in, in full time in terms of the business. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and it's clear that you're committed to sharpening the saw and, you know, reading up on different books and, um, you know, or just following inspiring leaders like Tony Robbins or, you know, that is, that is part of, of how to, to change your mindset and to keep it into that, uh, growth mindset. So it's very obvious that that's an important aspect of your Mm -hmm. life and, and obviously something that has helped contribute to some of your success. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the importance of having a financially well workforce. What does that look like to you and and you know, why do we need that? Yeah, you know, I think as I've been reflecting a lot on this Hillary, I think there's been a lot of really good work that's been done nationally on how do we advance the role of the profession, right? There's been a lot of work done on PBM transparencies and pushing that forward. Uh, as frustrating as that can be at times, there's been a lot of great work, especially on certain state levels around provider status. Certainly some of the national efforts have been really, you know, effective and exciting, I, th- I think as well, where we're going. And I think all of that is important to continue to advance the role of the pharmacist, but we're, we're, we're seeing still very much the reality of a situation where many pharmacists are feeling burned out, they're feeling stressed or feeling overwhelmed. And I think many, especially what, what really you know, often tugs at me as pharmacists that are early in their career, often looking at the work that they're doing, looking ahead at the future and maybe not seeing the connection of some of those efforts to what is going on each and every day and the work that they're doing. And, you know, I, I've taken a step back into some deep reflection on, okay, what, what, what might be contributing to this? Obviously there's some external things like we've been talking about around provider status and PBMs. I think there's also some internal things like mindset. We just talked about here for a moment, but one of those things, which is near and dear to my heart is the financial wellness and how one's financial wellness ultimately allows them to approach their work and the impact that their work can have and potentially even taking some risks and other things in a very different way. And when I think about our workforce today, we see a workforce that, you know, is coming out with about $170,000 of debt on average. And we've become very numbed over to that number, such that when I speak with a group of a couple hundred, you know, newly minted or soon to be newly minted pharmacists, there's typically no emotional reaction to that number. Oh and we've seen a relative stagnation. And in some cases, if we, we factor in inflation, decrease in wages, uh, and we know that pharmacists for the most part, you know, with some exceptions, see a, a relatively steady, uh, compensation and pay throughout, throughout their career. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that if we can help develop one's financial wellness, one's financial confidence, that that will allow them to approach their work with a a better mental mindset, to approach their work with a little bit of freedom, to look at alternative situations of employment. If they're not in a good situation, feeling comfortable taking some risk within their organization or perhaps pursuing something else outside of their organization without having some of that handcuffs in terms of financially and what, what that allows them to do. And I I think we're at an exciting point of time, you know, just last year, the American pharmacists association in their house of delegates, the the student group proposed and was passed by the house of delegates, a bylaws that really focused on the need for personal finance education in colleges of pharmacy across the country. And I think Mm -hmm. in large part, it's an important focus towards building this financial wellness from the ground up. And so I believe that while the topic of pharmacist burnout and well-being is a very complicated topic with lots of things involved, I really feel like we are, are, are well positioned to play a very important role 
at how can we increase the financial wellness, the financial literacy, the financial confidence of the pharmacy professional. And one of the things I often say to folks is that, you know, you might find yourself in a situation today where you've got, maybe it's a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt. You're feeling like you're behind on, on saving for, you know, retirement. Uh, maybe there's other financial stressors that are plaguing you in the moment, all the while making a good income. And we could fast forward a week. And while the numbers won't change, if the only thing that does change is we begin to put a plan in place that puts all of those financial stressors and issues on the table, we, we call them for what they are. And we begin to map out a plan of how we're going to prioritize and address them. The insert of that plan can literally be the lifting of a fog in, in front of someone's eyes such that they can begin to take a step forward with much more confidence. And so the debt load of $200,000 might not change today to next week, but the plan of how we're going to approach that, you don't want to underestimate the impact of that. And so I think if we can develop a financially well workforce, starting with how we address financial education among student pharmacists, then we could look at veterinary medicine and traditional medicine degrees as two examples of uh, degrees and professions that I think have done this fairly well hmm. and that we can role model off. If we could look at some advocacy efforts around things like interest rates at the federal level or expansion of loan forgiveness programs, I think there's a variety of ways that we could attack this, but really all would be pointed on developing this financially well workforce. Yeah. Well, you know, it's surprising that we don't have more of an emphasis on that earlier on in our life. Um, you know, I remember mm. even, even life skills like sewing on a button or, you know, mm -hmm. gosh, with like the pandemic, people were like, oh my gosh, you're, you want me to cook at home? People had no idea. Like they don't know how to cook. <laughs> they don't know how to, I mean, I'm speaking for, from experience and like sewing a button. I don't, I hate doing that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, some of these life skills, like financial health and literacy, at least we're catching them as they are entering into their professional life because that's when they are going to be compensated and they've just paid, usually paid a significant amount for the receipt of that degree. So yeah, I mean, if, if we're, if we're going to be paying in, um, that's for right. these colleges mm -hmm. and things, it is really interesting, um, uh, to help well-equip people to be more financially uh, secure and stable. So it's an important goal. Yeah. And, and we're behind on this, you know, um, what, one of the initiatives I, I had a chance to partner with the veterinary school at Ohio state when I was there and just to see the difference in the culture among the leadership in the college of veterinary medicine around this topic of financial wellness and how they really value financial wellness as we do other categories of wellness was really inspiring. And as I dug a layer deeper, the AVMA, which is, you know, think of the equivalent of APHA or another national pharmacy organization for veterinary medicine, um, has really done an incredible job at a national level of building out resources and tools to support their practicing veterinarians, as well as to connect and support yeah. with their colleges. Uh, AAMC on the medicine side has done something similar. And I think we really have an opportunity in pharmacy uh, again, you know, there, there's work to be done in the workforce that's out currently, but then I think there's also some foundational work that we could do um, that could help students along that journey. And, and I think the, the timing is right. Um, you know, when, when we look at the evolution of the pharmacy accreditation mm -hmm. standards, um, I think what was 
Hillary, when we went to school, maybe kind of hard sciences only, we're seeing an expansion and appreciation for some of the quote, softer sciences and the leadership and the professional development and the entrepreneurship and the self-awareness. And I think, you know, the timing is right that we really look at, you know, where should this live in the pharmacy education, which of course is the area that we can control. And we are also seeing here in Ohio recently, I think it's going to start in 2023 or 2024. It's now going to be required in K-12, which we're seeing more states move in that direction. So I, I think I think we're there uh, and we're, we're getting there, but we've got some yeah. work to do. Um, you know, we have seen ACPE or, you know, others put in some uh, requirements for innovation and entrepreneurship, but business, you know, how are we going to expect pharmacists to to create new businesses or, or payment models or things like that if we're not teaching them about that kind of stuff? Um, and, you know, how they handle their personal finance. If you can't handle your own budget, how are you going to handle the budget of your pharmacy or, you know, your department or whatever other uh, group that you're responsible for? So I really... Um, I'm excited that, you know, you're fired up about this and, um, helping to really lead that charge because it is, it's such an important piece, um, of, you know, the entire wellness picture. So, um, thank you for bringing that to light. Yeah. And to that point, Hillary, the, the thing that I always mention here, you know, living in pharmacy academia for a little over a decade is that if you have an idea or you're potentially, you know, thinking of an idea that might require some risk, especially early in your career, you know, if you've got $200,000 of debt staring you in the face and you've got a six figure offer that's in Mm -hmm. front of you versus I'm going to go out on my own and high risk, high reward, like that's a really hard environment to take risk. Um, and so I think there's the, there's the, issue around like the debt and its ability and the impact it can have in one's ability to take risk. But I think there's also even just the the culture of the pharmacy education and degree. So, you know, I think be, because of the majority of pathways that folks go, if you look at the national workforce data, you know, if you put community pharmacy, hospital health system pharmacy, you know, maybe we could add in there like industry positions and some others that that pick takes up a big chunk of the pie chart. Right. And one of the things I'm really passionate, excited about is like the multiple slivers that are in the last 20% or so of the pie. And does the pharmacy degree, does the pharmacy curriculum, is it built or flexible enough that if someone came into the degree with an idea or developed an idea or a passion for entrepreneurship while they're in school, like, does it allow that pathway to flourish and to grow? And I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I think right now it's challenging for that. I think it very much points in a more traditional pathway towards you know, whether that's community practice, hospital residency practice, ambulatory care practice, but can the PharmD be a potential pathway to both recruit and for those that are in school, potentially allow for the flourishing of an idea or somebody that wants to pursue a more entrepreneurial pathway. I think that's something that we've really got to discuss more. Interesting. Well, I appreciate that you also were able to see, you know, what are other professions, you know, doing and, and, you know, veterinarian, they run their own practice. They have their own business. Dentists, Mm -hmm. dentists are very entrepreneurial. Um, and it's, you know, I feel like the, the doc, you know, physicians, the pharmacists, probably nurses and, and others were, 
oh, you go work in the hospital, you go work in, you know, the pharmacy, um, retail setting, you, you are usually working for someone else. And, um, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Tim, lot so much that that um, you were able to sh- to share and and uncover for us um, in this episode. Um, so I know I've asked you in the past um, what's some advice that you would tell your younger self. Um, maybe we could change that up a little bit, and um, hmm, because I do want to to leave the audience with a little. Or maybe just, you know, what is like that last pearl of wisdom that you would share maybe to help point them in their uh, financial wellness journey? Yeah, and if I could broaden that out, because I think financial wellness could be a part of this. But one of the things that gets me excited every day, and I'm, I'm working hard to instill this in my boys, uh, jury's out if this will be successful or not, but... I think one of the greatest advantages we have in 2022 that generations before us didn't have to the same degree is that you can pretty much learn anything you want to learn. And that is an incredible gift, an incredible gift. And, and I think that being able to have that motivation for how can I get better today? What, what could I learn today? What's an area that I want to improve upon? So, you know, as we're going through the stage of business that we're going through, like I've identified, I really need to improve as a leader. I need to improve in some human relations types of work on, on the HR side. I've got some, you know, finance uh, skills that I can hone up and to be able to identify those things and then to go to find the learning opportunities. That's an incredible gift and an opportunity. And so having that hunger and motivation to learn and then putting the system in place to make that a priority of your day and of your week I think is one of the greatest things that folks can do throughout their career because that then unlocks the potential to grow and evolve in in whatever area you choose. And I I just think that, you know, as I think back to my parents or even my grandparents, you know, uh, certainly they they had a lot of opportunities to learn, but they were in a lot more structured, formal settings only. And we have a host of ways that we can learn lots of different topics in many different formats. And that really is an incredible gift especially from someone formerly in academia. So, (laughs) all right, Tim, such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you.